0: We are in the middle of a series called Red. In most Bibles, the words of Jesus are printed in red. And I'm calling these Words of Hope. Now, so far in this series, we've talked about hope in times of temptation. we talked about hope for life's disappointments. We talked last week about hope for eternity. Today, we're going to talk about hope for the everyday worries of life. How many of you ever worry about any of the everyday issues of life? Well, some of you didn't respond because you were worried about what somebody might think. Truth of the matter is life produces so many possibilities to worry about. People worry about their jobs. You know, what if I don't reach my quota? Uh, What if my company downsizes and I lose my job? What if the boss hires a family member and I lose my place in the pecking order? Well, people worry about money. Uh, You know, uh, what if there's too much month left at the end of the money? Uh, How in the world am I going to pay for my kid's college uh, am I going to have enough money to retire or am I'm going to have to work until I'm dead? Worry, worry, worry. People worry about their children. Uh, what, what, what if my child gets sick or what if my child uh, is involved in some bad accident? Uh, what if my child marries the wrong person? Or what, what, what if my child is unhappy? Worry. Uh, People worry about personal issues. Uh, What if my spouse leaves me? Uh, What if I never get married? Uh, What if I just don't fit in anywhere? And the list goes on and on and on. Any of you relate to any of these? A man was running down the hall of a hospital with his hospital gown open and exposed in the back just before his operation. Get a visual of that. Somebody grabbed him and stopped him and asked him, said, said sir, what's the matter? He said, well, he said, I... I I'm about to have an operation. And he said, I heard my nurse say, it's a very simple operation. Don't worry. I'm sure everything will be all right. I said, Well, sir, I'm sure she was just trying to, to comfort you. So why did this make you so anxious? She wasn't talking to me, said the patient. She was talking to my surgeon. Now, that might give you some genuine reason to be concerned. Jesus was aware of our tendency to worry, and he addressed the subject of worry. So I want us to take a look and see what Jesus had to say about the everyday worries of life. Aren't you glad that the Lord is not only interested in getting us to heaven, but he's interested in every aspect and minute detail of our life? And Jesus was interested and he wanted to help us with the everyday worries of life. These words of hope written in red can be found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. And I want to read them this morning from the New Living Translation. These are the words of Jesus. These are the words in red. Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. Your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work. They don't make their clothing. And yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Well, I want to share five statements with you. I've made five statements that I want to share with you today based upon this passage of Scripture. And the first statement that I have for you this morning is this, and that is, life was not intended to be lived with undue pressure. That was never the will of God. Life was never intended to be lived with undue pressure. Verse 25, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Here's what I know, and that is much of life's pressure we place on ourselves. We all talk about the pressures of life, but hey, listen, the truth of the matter is most of the, the pressures of life we place on ourselves. Society, oh, does society today places so much pressure on us to keep up? Society says that in order to be happy, you're going to have to live in the right house and you're going to have to drive the right car. You're going to have to wear the right clothes. You're going to have to possess all of the very latest technical gadgets and you're going to have to know how to use them. Good luck with this crowd. Amen. Today we're told bigger is better. More is mandatory. Oh, today success is measured by your net worth and your title. What has happened is the American dream has turned into a nightmare. Life was not intended to be lived with undue pressure. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 6 through 8 says true godliness with contentment is itself, say itself, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if we have food and clothing, let us be content. Now hear me this morning. I'm not saying it's wrong to have or to want nice things. I'm not, I'm not saying that this morning. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that if nice things are our ultimate goal, if we are depending on nice things to make us happy, If acquiring more and better things is our recipe for happiness, we will probably be disappointed. We will probably become frustrated, and we will live a stress-filled life. And that is not the life God planned for his children. Well, let me give you my second statement based upon the scripture we previously read, and that is life was meant... Life was meant to be lived with priority. That's the way we should live our life, with priority. Verse 33, Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Say "Above above all else. Life was meant to be lived with priority. God first, absolutely God first. But after this, the people in our lives should be most important. The people in our lives, after God, after our relationship with God, then secondly, the people in our lives should be most important. verse 25, Jesus said, isn't life more than food and drink and clothing? See, at the end of the day, it all comes down to God and family. By the way, good to have my mother-in-law sitting on the front row this morning. Amen. At the end of the day, it all comes down to God and family. And if you're really, really blessed, you might have two or three close personal lifelong friends as well. Here's what I know this morning. Here's what I know. Your Mercedes won't hold you when your heart is broken. Your mansion won't comfort you when the pink slip comes. Your money won't help you when the death angel knocks on your Problem is, for far too many people today, when they get to the top of the ladder, they discover that even after all of their effort, they find the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. The people in our lives should be most important. I don't think it's a secret. I love my family. I love my family. I I've always loved my family. The family I had growing up, and I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but it wasn't what I wanted it or expected it to be. And so when I got my own family, I'm going to make my family be what I always wanted and always coveted. I love my family. I've seen far too many pastors place the church above their family. I've never done it and never well. I've told this story before, but it gets my point across. I remember many years ago when my son he was about fourteen or fifteen years of age, and my son loved baseball. It was baseball, 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 summer baseball, spring baseball. I mean it was just baseball. And we just ran all over the country watching him play baseball and he was good at it. He was good at it. He was always the best player on every team he ever, ever was. And that's not just dad talking either. That's the truth. Most valuable player on his team is a high school player. Well, at about age 14 or so, he, his team had done so well, they made it all the way to the state playoffs. How many know that's a big deal, state playoffs? Well, the championship state playoff game was Wednesday night. I'm a pastor. Pastors are expensive. Expected to be at church. Now, you can come or go as you want, but the pastor better be there. Come on. Here it is. My son's going to be pitching in the state baseball playoffs. It's on Wednesday night. What am I going to do? I didn't think twice. I knew what I was going to do. Me and my wife, we were sitting in the bleachers cheering our son on as he pitched in the state baseball playoffs. Well, actually, I was behind the backstop yelling at the umpire. <laughs> we get home and Sunday morning I hear this buzz, 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 buzz around the church. And one of my leaders came to me and said, we hear." you went, you were at a baseball game instead of church Wednesday night. I said, sure was. I said, it wasn't just some regular game. It wasn't some practice game. It wasn't even some regular season game. It was a state playoff game. Well, there's some people upset. Okay. Sunday morning, you know the bulldog. Sunday morning, I addressed the congregation. I said to the congregation, I said, Word has come to me that some of you folks are upset at me and my wife because, because we went to my son's state baseball playoff game on Wednesday night instead of me being in the pulpit preaching. And I said, Folks, I am not going to apologize for that. I have one son. I have one son. And folks, I want to tell you that someday, I don't know, it might be a year or two, it might be 20 years from now, I don't know. Someday I will no longer be your pastor. But I will always be Chad Benson's dad. And when he grows up, when he grows up, I want him to remember my dad was there. And I received a standing ovation. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about hope for the everyday worries of life. I'm giving you five statements from our scripture for the day. Well, number one, life was not meant to be lived with undue pressure. Number two, life was meant to be lived with priority. Number three, God is a source of our provision. Let's read verses 26 through 30 again. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Listen, friend, God has promised to take care of us. God has promised to take care of us. In 46 years of marriage, soon to be... Just a few weeks, 47 years. But in 46 years of marriage and ministry, God has always, always taken care of me and my wife. Whether we were living in the basement of the church, you remember that, don't you, Donna? Because you were living with us at the time. Whether we were living in the basement of the church or whether we were living six blocks from the country club, and we have done both. In this 46 years of full-time marriage and ministry, we have never missed a meal and never missed a mortgage payment. Now, we've had a little and we've had a lot, but we've always had enough. God's provision has never come late, but it has seldom come early. How many would understand that this morning? I remember one time, many, many years ago now, and and I, I I was looking over my finances and I totaled my bills that were due, and the total of the bills that were due was one thousand dollars. Now, at the time, we were involved in a traveling in ministry. Now, when you are in a traveling ministry, you know if you don't preach, you don't get paid, and you are dependent upon the generosity of that particular church that you are. Preaching, And that's why that I just bless the socks off of everybody that preaches for us because I've been there and I know we may give them a ridiculous offering today, but next week they may get a ridiculous offering the other direction because I know been there done that bought the t-shirt and that's why we are generous and I believe that is God's will. I told my bills that were due and they told to be a 1000 Dollars involved in a traveling ministry at the time And, and I, I, I just had a time of prayer And I said, Lord, you promised In your word that you would supply all of my need According unto your riches in glory Lord, Lord, I need $1,000 In order to pay my bills Problem was, I only had one Sunday night service. Back when we had Sunday night service, I didn't have anything that morning. I didn't have anything the following Wednesday. I didn't have a week's revival. The only thing for that entire week that I had was that one Sunday night service. Service And it was scheduled at a place I had never been. They didn't know me. I didn't know them. Uh, it was scheduled with a pastor that I had never preached for before. I had no history with him. I had no relationship with him. In fact, I had never even met him before. I absolutely said nothing to that pastor about my need. I just greeted him before the service. We did the pleasantry thing, and, and then I got up and did my ministry. And uh, and, and I, you need to understand, this was nearly 30 years ago. So $1,000 was a lot. It was definitely a lot for us at that time. Much, 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 much more than I could ever expect to receive in a one-service type offering. Well, I did my ministry, we did the altar time, and the pastor came up to the podium to dismiss the service. And the pastor said to the people, he said, well, I was kneeling, praying right over there. He said, the Lord spoke to me and said, this preacher needs a $1,000. I just told the Lord 2 days later, uh, 2 days earlier I need $1000 to pay my bills. Didn't say a word to this preacher, never met him before, didn't even know him. But the Lord spoke to him and told him, this preacher needs $1000. The offering was received, no arms were twisted. The offering was taken and it was over $1000 for one Sunday night service 30 years. Ago. I don't have a, a $1,000 sermon. No amens, please. How many know this morning God is the source of our provision? He, he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. David said in Psalm 37 and 5, he said, I once was young, but now I'm an old codger, he said. But all of his time, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen God's seed begging for bread. Malachi 3 and 10, God said, I will open for you the windows of heaven. Oh, if only you will tithe and I will pour out so many blessings upon you and upon every tither that there will not even be room room enough to receive all of the blessings that I will pour out on you. From the time I was a little boy and received my first blessing Dollar birthday gift from my grandma because that's what we got when I was a kid we got a birthday dollar and from the time I was a little boy and received my first birthday dollar from my grandma until this day I have always been a tither later I became a generous giver as a little boy I would take out a dime for tithe and a nickel for offering before I spent a penny of my weekly $1 allowance. My dad says that I would say to him, my dad was my pastor, and, and I, would, I would change that dollar into coins, and I would come to my dad immediately, and I'd say, Dad, here's my dime for tithe, and here's my nickel for offering. I say, son, don't give that to me. You give that to the Lord. You, you don't give that to me. You give it to the Lord. And so you take it to, to church and, and, and you put it in the offering. I said, but daddy, he said, he you'd say, but daddy, I don't, I don't want to be tempted to spend it between now and Sunday. Well, I promise you, this tight, tight one never spent his dollar. I think I still have it, actually. I practice this my entire life. And let me tell you that no one can convince me that God doesn't provide and protect and even prosper consistent tithers and generous givers. I've been criticized so many times, it ain't even funny about my stance on tithe and offering and my, and my uh, 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 preaching consistently ab- about it. But I want to tell you, listen, I'll take the brunt of it, slap me, whatever, throw things at me, whatever, I'm just trying to get you blessed. I'm telling you, God will provide, amen, he will meet the need, and he'll go above and beyond, amen, for those that are consistent tithers and generous givers, I've said it many, many times, but I'm going to say it again. I, I hope that when I'm gone, some of these sayings you'll remember. And that is, one is this, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. If you'll become a giver, he will always make sure you have something to give. Luke six and thirty eight, Jesus said, Give and it will be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Here's what I know this morning if you prove yourself trustworthy with a little, then God can trust you with a lot. We're talking about the hope for the everyday worries of life. Why why worry if God is the source of our provision? See, see, God is my supply. God is my source. See, see, if I thought you were my source of provision, I'd, I'd nicey it up a little. <laughs> Did you hear me? I said if I thought I was dependent upon you uh, for, for, for my provision, I'd nicey it up a little bit. I'd be a little more politically correct. I wouldn't be nearly as bold. How me know what I'm talking about this morning. Hear me this morning. Don't wring your hands and walk the floor at night over issues that are out of your control. Turn them over to the Lord. He has promised to take care of us. He's the source of our provision. Well, another reason to do this is found in my fourth statement, which is taken from our text for today. And the fourth statement I have to make this morning, and that is, worry profits us nothing. Worry profits us nothing. Nothing. Verse 27, Jesus said, can anyone change a single thing through worry? And Of course, the answer is no. Here's what worry does. Worry pulls us down. It robs us of hope. It drains our energy. It saps our strength. It steals our joy. Worry inflates a molehill into a mountain. One lady said, I always feel the worst when I feel the best because I know it won't be long and I'll feel bad again. George Mueller said, every night, he said, I turn my worries over to God. He's going to be up all night anyway. Olin Miller said, we would worry less about what people think of us if we really understood how seldom people really do think of us. I think it's funny. My wife is so particular that her hair is just right and her clothes are just right. And she'll say, baby, do I look okay? Do I look okay? Because she wants to make sure she looks. I say, baby, don't worry about it. Everybody's too concerned about how they look to be worried about how you look. <laughs> worry profits us nothing. Rather, it pulls us down. Hear me this morning, if nothing can be changed through worry and everything has the possibility of being changed through prayer, why don't we take the energy that we use on worry and use it on prayer? I guarantee you the result you would get would be far greater. Philippians 4 verse 6 and 7 says don't worry about anything but instead pray about everything and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Here's what I know this morning. Worry pulls us down. Prayer pulls us up. Worry pushes us back. Prayer pulls us through. Hear me this morning. If prayer doesn't change the situation, it will change the saint. So the saint can endure the situation so either way prayer changes things so why worry when you can pray we used to sing a song about that didn't we let me share my fifth statement with you from our scripture today and that is placing God first in our lives guarantees us daily provision verse 33 again seek the kingdom of God above all else say above all else seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Say, everything you need. Here's what I know this morning. Proper order produces a productive outcome. Proper order produces a productive outcome. How many know God is the God of order? God is the God of order. He places a high value on order. God has ordained a proper order in the home. The reason why some of our homes struggle is because the home is out of order. It's true whether you want to say amen or not. God has a proper order for our finances. He has a proper order for positions and authority. God has promised us daily provision, but the promise has a condition, and the condition is proper order order. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all of these things. Say then. And then all of these things will be added to you. Placing God first in our lives guarantees us daily provision. Do you have God in proper order in your life? Do you put him first in your life or do you just try and Fit him in, tuck him in somewhere. Listen, God will not function as a mere accessory or add-on in your life. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And if he's not Lord at all, then someone or something else is. And his word says that he will not allow any other gods to come before him. We've been talking about hope for the everyday worries of life, Our takeaway for the message today is this. Turn all your worries over to God in prayer. Now, now, that's easy to say. It's hard to do. Turn all your worries over to God in prayer. It's a process. Refuse to participate in society's definition of success. The condition of our relationship with the key people in our lives... It's far more important than power, position, possessions, and prestige. I tell my wife quite often, baby, we got to be good to each other because at the end of the day, we're all we have. Well, you got a daughter, you got a son, yeah, they got their own lives, they got their own families. And I tell my wife quite often, we've got to be good to each other, baby, because at the end of the day, besides Jesus, we're all we really have. Don't buy into the world's ridiculous lie about success. At the end of the day, it's all about God and family. Father, thank you for this word this morning. God, I thank you that you're not only interested in my salvation, but you're also interested in my everyday life. And you knew that I you knew where I came from, you knew that you created me from dirt. And so, because of that, you knew I'd have my struggles. And you knew that I would be anxious and worried about so many things, and so you gave me some incredible promises. Gave me an actual book filled with promises to help me to live in this world with right priorities and live an overcoming and even a fulfilling and purposeful life.